0: Hi, this is Tom Schultz, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Hey, this is Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Paul Jackson from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
0: episode 444 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host John coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal and blues talk on the net. Episode 444 we're going to be introducing you to two bands uh, both coincidentally with States in the name. We're going to introduce you to the Georgia Thunderbolts who have their debut EP coming out in August. We're also going to introduce you in a little bit to Tennessee Champagne, a great band out of the uh, kind of the uh, eastern part of Tennessee, so we'll get with them in a little bit, but the Georgia Thunderbolts are going to be releasing their debut EP on August 21st, Uh, bands getting a lot of press, Um, when you listen to them, I don't think it takes long to hear the southern rock influences uh, of Leonard Skinner, the Marshall Tucker Band, Um, a a lot of great bands uh, go into the sound that make up Tennessee Champagne, so we were fortunate enough to sit down Uh, with Riley, the lead guitarist, and TJ, the singer. Uh, Talk about the EP, talk about the challenges of releasing, you know, you wait your whole life to kind of get the EP out, you know, your debut, to have it come out um, during the COVID situation. So we're going to listen to uh, a track from Georgia Thunderbolts. We'll get right into that interview with Riley and DJ of Georgia Thunderbolts. Introduce the Georgia Thunderbolts. We have Riley and uh, TJ on the line. How you doing, guys? Well, it's doing problem. good. I'm, I'm sure doing great. Yeah, well, how are you? We're doing well up here in Pennsylvania. You guys, are you guys right now at home in, in Georgia, or you guys um have you relocated the band, or uh, are you still in Georgia?
2: We're all still in Georgia, but I think TJ's in
1: Kentucky, right? TJ? Yeah, I'm up in Kentucky up here with our manager uh, okay. Richard Young
0: let me ask you guys are from an area of of georgia where i I think you know music fans they think of uh, georgia you you immediately think of atlanta you think of you know bands like rem the black crows obviously blackberry smoke um but you guys are are kind of a little bit up in the north northwest corner there. you know getting a little towards you know nashville and, and some places like that um did you have much, like, did you guys develop much of a following in Atlanta? And Is Atlanta kind of where you want to go if you're in Georgia? Or, or do you just concentrate on where you're at and where your music is kind of enjoyed the most?
1: I think, all uh, you just concentrate on where you're, where you're at, you know, you, because everywhere in Georgia is really different. You can go, you know, you go north, it's weird, man. It's like Bluegrass, rock, you go mm-hmm. west, it's like rock and country, you go east, yeah. it's like country and Atlanta's more of like the pop scene mm-hmm. now, you know. Uh yeah. but I tell you what, man, if you can make a stamp in your hometown and it Georgia's really it's very easy to travel mm-hmm. in Georgia, you know. And yeah. people man, we had people uh, come from like Athens come and watch us in our hometown and play and that's like way, way east, you know, and we are like, Wow. know yeah i would say uh
2: anywhere in Georgia. like yeah we love playing in atlanta we have got we have got into atlanta but uh there's so many great music venues venues in like almost every state like we played a variety playhouse in atlanta we played uh in hawaii georgia at a theater down there with the headhunters and artemis pile band and i mean Everywhere we go play is freaking great, man. Like, we just have the best time meeting new fans, and uh, we we usually have a good turnout everywhere we play. But like you said, man, we had just as many people from Rome come to our last hometown show as we did from Ohio, California, Kentucky. Like, we've had fans come all the way from, like, their hometown to our hometown, and that could be a 100 miles away. It could be a 1,000 miles away.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think right now, I mean, you know, as you're saying this in what venue, I'm thinking, boy, wouldn't anybody just kill to be able to play your front lawn and have a crowd in, in this um, yeah. situation. But, um, you know, I think one of the things about your music, um, and I'm curious, you know, when you guys are on stage, you know, TJ, when you look out, or Riley, um, is your audience? You, you guys play a kind of music I think that it, it would appeal to to fans of you know Marshall Tucker and you know a whole host of yeah know, quote unquote Southern rock bands. Um, do you see you know when you look out? Do you see a lot of young faces in, enjoying this kind of music, or is it you know maybe yeah. your age and older? We,
1: you definitely
2: yeah. You see a lot of uh, young faces, but really, if you, I mean. TJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you think about it, it really depends on where you're playing. Like, if yeah. you're playing closer to a college, you're gonna have a lot more younger folks come. But if you're playing like an outside event and uh, it's just like a family-friendly place, you're gonna see a lot more older folks with their grandkids out, you know, having a good time, enjoying the sun and
1: listening to the music. The best part about it is the festivals that we play, the the town festivals, the free events and stuff that we play, Mm -hmm. when everybody can get out and, you know, really enjoy things and bring the family. And that really introduces to a younger generation. Yeah. And it's awesome because at those... Oh,
2: I'm sorry.
0: No, you you go right ahead.
2: I was just going to say, at most of those events, it is... It's open some of them serve alcohol, some of them don't, but most of the ones that don't serve alcohol is the ones that, you know, the kids, these grandparents and these parents can bring their younger kids out there to see these bands, man, and they just love it, man, they eat it up and they get inspired and I think that's what's going to keep rock and roll music going is like, these grandparents and these parents bringing their younger kids to see live rock and roll music and get them interested in that instead of them sitting at home watching YouTube which is fine because that's kind of what I did whenever
0: mm-hmm. it just doesn't get for you though, seeing
2: them live you know it doesn't man live and you can't beat live man
0: yeah and, and I I think when I listen to a band like 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 you guys I think to myself you know you're, you're almost when you're missing mentioning like a festival one of the bands I, I could see um really transcending well because you know someone might say okay here's a band you know from Georgia Got, you know, sort of a, an Almond Brothers, Skinner, Marshall Tucker sound to it. Um, and, and that may not be something that people would say, okay, that's not really my wheelhouse. I enjoy, you know, more ACDC or, a, you know, I'm a country fan. But yeah. experiencing, you know, being on a bill where you're playing with bands that are a little bit diverse, I think would really help a band like yours cross over with new fans because, you know, you've got great songs and, and ultimately songs transcend style. You know, when you walk away singing, yeah, right. you know, singing the chorus of a song, you know, at the end of the day.
2: Exactly.
0: You know, I, I think of uh, one of those old Southern songs, Amy, I don't even remember which band, if that's Marshall Tucker or whoever sang that song. You hear that song, uh, and it's stuck in pure, your pure head all prairie. day. Pure Prairie League, thank you. Yeah. You know, I can't even remember yeah. the name of the band, but I, boy, I can tell you that damn song gets in your head and it's there all day. It um, does. You'll <laughs> be
2: walking. Uh, doing the laundry
0: thing in Amy. <laughs> exactly. I know
2: what you're saying, man.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, what did you guys grow up, you know, listening to? I mean, you guys, you know, probably a little too young to, you know, experience some of these bands, you know, during their heyday. You know, and I, I listen to you guys and I hear all kinds of influences.
2: Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. We we're lucky, which you know, me and PJ's music are totally different, which we've kind of grown closer in our musical uh, preferences now that we've been in a band for almost six years, but, man, I grew up on, uh, I grew up on old, like, 80s rock and roll, like your Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, um, things like that, and classic country, man, I, I really, I started getting into southern rock about my ninth grade year in high school, which, believe it or not, was not too long ago, Yeah. <laughs> about, I, I... Uh, I'm sorry, what was you going
0: to ask? Oh, you said, I don't think, I didn't think that was that long ago, and it's interesting to hear, you know, you're listening to the same stuff when you were in ninth grade that I was listening to in ninth grade, and I'm a whole lot older.
2: <laughs> right, right, and, and that's crazy, man, because like, but I, I'm so glad that I had somebody show me good things, you know, not, not even growing up, but as I, as I got older, and uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just in ninth grade seven years ago. This this coming end of the school year will be eight years ago. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of my musical influences is the old classic rock and the classic country and a little bit of the eighties eighties rock. But uh, I'll let TJ go ahead and tell you
1: his. I listened to a lot of growing up. I listened to a lot of like uh, Creedence and mm-hmm. uh, like Ray Charles and uh, like Bing Crosby and stuff like that. Man, I got such a wide variety of music that you know that I listen to and I put into perspective to kind of see where everybody's coming from but uh, you know like Doobie Brothers and uh, Led Zeppelin of course mm-hmm. uh, always knew and listened to Skinner too I guess I guess it was always in the background just being from the south I guess it's just I guess yeah. you know you hear them uh, yeah and, and but, back,
2: to what, back to what we were saying earlier about kids going and singing live music and, and getting inspiration and, and it makes them like old school rock and roll you know They'll think, oh, my God, this is so much better than what just came out yesterday, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Headhunters, man, I had no idea who the Headhunters were until, I think, my sophomore year of high school. We went and saw Blackberry Smoke, and the Headhunters opened, and just me seeing them live, I was like, dude, this is like my favorite band in the world right now. <laughs> like, they were so freaking all that Yeah, if you like,
1: haven't seen the Kentucky Headhunters, those guys rock.
2: Yeah, and then two years later, you know, we're sitting here with Richard being our manager blessed because he's probably the greatest person I've ever met, and yeah,
1: man, uh, fantastic.
2: he's got us where we're at right now. But I'm sorry if I interrupted you, T, I'm sorry.
1: No, you're good. Pretty much that's it, though. Is I, I just listen to a lot of, like, Jerry Lee Lewis and anything with the piano and harmonica, Paul Butterfield, stuff like that, you know.
0: Was there somebody, you know, TJ, for example, when I hear you, you sing, I, I can't help but hear Ronnie Van Zant in your voice. Um, was there somebody in particular that went, you went from being a music fan to saying, okay, I want to do that? Was there a moment where you kind of crossed that gap?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was watching Bob Seeger. I think it was watching, it was a cross between watching Bob Seger and Paul, uh, what's his name, Paul Rogers from Bad Company.
0: Okay. And
1: it's just, I think it's just the way those guys had the charisma, you know, the videos I've watched. Mm-hmm. I think it was their charisma on stage and the way that they almost were like, they they were singing, but it was like they were talking to you. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, see, you it's set like yourself with were, some lofty, you know to follow some lofty singers, you know, just two phenomenal phenomenal, iconic voices. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Riley, was there, you know, same question for you, was there somebody, you know, when you were kind of in those formative years that said, you know, I want to pick, you know, pick up the guitar and... and
2: Man, uh, I got a guitar, man. When I, I could barely even talk, I was, I was maybe three or four years old. And obviously, I had no, no idea how to play it, but I sat there and strummed on it and act like I was singing. But as I grew older, man, I think the first band that I ever started listening to was Matchbox Twenty. Okay, I said it.
3: <laughs> now
2: the next band, or, <laughs> the next band is Kids. Man, I was just. I was sitting in my grandmother's living room floor, old hardwood floor in a house that, good God, there ain't no telling how old it is, with these little headphones and a uh, cassette tape player. And I just remember listening to uh, Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day, dude, and all I could hear was just that guitar, like the, the guitar riff. Mm-hmm. And since that day, like, every kind of music I listen to, no matter what song it is, I pick out the guitar part first. Like, I don't even pay attention to any other part of the song. It's just the guitar part, and then I'll have to re-listen to the song just to hear the rest of the music, because I'm so interested in what the guitar player did. Yeah. Which, you know, now, at, a, at an older age, and actually writing these songs being in a band, I can listen to a song in its entirety and hear everything else in it now. But as a kid, that's all I remember focusing on.
0: So as I got older,
2: I was like, Dad, I, I really want an electric He's like, well, don't you need to learn on an acoustic? And I'm like, I don't know, but if that's all I can get right now, let's do it. Yeah. So I went and got one, man, and I picked it up very fast. I just, I, I learned to play by ear, and uh, I just picked it up quick, man. And it was just something that I've loved to do ever since.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it's great to hear that, you know, you know, from both of you, really, based on your ages, you know, because you you grew up in an era you know and you see this with a lot of young people now where there's you know one rock music isn't maybe as prevalent as it had been you know for previous generations plus there's a lot of other things to spend time on you look at the video game industry has just you know basically dominated and overtaken the music industry oh
1: um, yeah and how I much time I like eight years eight years old walking around with a parent's phone you know I'm like oh my yeah. god I didn't have a phone 16 you know
0: yeah exactly right
1: same here
0: but you guys are, are now uh, just a few weeks out from releasing your debut EP, um, and we've had a chance to hear a couple of the songs. Um, now looking for a friend, and um, actually I've listened to the entire thing. But we've dropped two of the singles already. Can you talk a little bit about you know as as a band gets ready to put together their album? You, you people automatically think okay, we're gonna hit the road, we're gonna do this, we're gonna open for so and so, we're gonna you know. You're, you're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic now and as a joke we'd kind of be happy to see a show in our front yard if we could right now. How does this kind of alter right. your approach? I mean, it's kind of a wrench in the monkey works.
2: I mean, to, to me you know, um, we gained 10,000 fans just from 2017 until 2019 and with Richard Young's help, we have done a lot of hard work and put in a lot of work as far as the band goes. So, as this pandemic hits now, like, we're just trying to figure out something to hit the people with, man. Because really, our main focus is our fans, man, like, over anything. Because the fans, oh, so yeah. I'm like, we're all like, man, like, what, what do we get? What can we do, like, for the fans to not, like, think that we're just off the. Off the face of the earth now. Right. So we start doing these acoustic videos, right? And like the first one we posted, I think got like 64,000 views on it or something like that. And uh, people were loving them, man. Like we were just putting them out every week, every week. So, so finally, Mascot's like, guys, we're going to do some video. We're going to uh, release an EP. So we're like, yes. Yeah, so honestly, man, it, it's kind of it's kind of like we were so worried about losing the, not losing the fans, but Mm -hmm. we were so worried about us not having material out there for for our fans to listen to and watch that when they hit us with this, it's like we forgot all about the pandemic. It was like, let's get back to real life here and give these people what they want, you know? Whether we can do the live thing or not, eventually, you can't stop rock and roll forever, just like Audie said, You can't kill rock and roll, so we're very positive about putting this music out, and we look forward to whenever live shows will be reopened and, and people can get out and enjoy themselves again.
0: When you guys look at you know the market, and you you mentioned YouTube a little bit ago, and it's hard to deny the power of YouTube for a band such as yourself. You know, you could let's say get on a tour. You know, which you may or may not have mm-hmm. to pay to be involved with. Um, you know, just maybe, you know, like a dreaming kind of thing. Like maybe Chris Robinson calls you up and says, Hey, you want to open this run of shows for us? You're obviously going to get out and play for, you know, some fans. But when you're looking at your efforts, does YouTube and videos and, you know, maybe things like that some in some ways help you grow an audience maybe more efficiently than a tour might where you're only hitting one, you know, maybe 25 cities? You know, do you guys look at that kind of from, I hate to say from a business standpoint, but it really is, you know, the business of the music business?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We uh, we know that YouTube, like you said, it's a very powerful, powerful platform to use and stuff, but, you know, you can do all the paid promotions and all that stuff you want to, but it's like our connection with the fans is face-to-face. We get Mm -hmm. the best connection face-to-face, you know, when we're we're staring at the people pointing at them and making them feel like they're a part of our show. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, honest God, we couldn't do this without any of the fans. They are – that's our livelihood, you know, and we try to take care of them as much as they – they don't know how much they've taken care of us, you know, and Mm -hmm. and we're so very grateful for that. But any way that we can reach them – I know Riley and I are very strong about – reaching out, and the rest of the guys are too, we're, we're very strong about reaching out and commenting back to every single person who comments to us on any platform, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Facebook, just anything. We reach out, and we try to talk to those people, and try to make them feel involved immediately.
2: Absolutely, and, and my, my answer to that is the only thing that I would say YouTube might be better for is First of all, yeah, it's gonna hit these people because they're seeing it. It's gonna be uh, what do you? It's gonna be sponsoring on on Facebook and YouTube yeah. and all this stuff. And another thing is, it's gonna be playing in different countries. It's not just gonna be the U.S. or Georgia yeah. or Kentucky, or exactly. South Carolina. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, obvi- you know, obviously, it's gonna be a bigger impact as far as us letting people hear our music. But like TJ said, man, like. There's no better connection than live music. That, that's like I heard someone say one time. Man, you know, live concerts are just gonna—they're just gonna start. You're just gonna start getting paid to do them online. Live concerts online. I'm like, no. There's probably three million people right now sitting there thinking, if they never open a concert again, I might lose my mind.
0: Yeah, and, you're, you. You're, you're entirely right. I was but, the reason for that, that question. I was I was actually sitting. Uh, in my office today and i got a text and it said you know you signed up for foreigners i don't even know what the text group was called it was one of those things you know you know your phone number and they'll send you something but i got a text saying we're going to be live on walk open air in 15 minutes now i don't know if those i'm guessing those were pre-recorded you know shows they were doing on walking this Uh year but you know, eleven fifteen in the morning, click you know, click a link inside a text, and up on my browser comes you know, foreigner. I'm like, this is pretty right. cool. Now, to your point, I saw a foreigner in person several times in my life, and it, no, watching it on the screen does not compare to being, you know, at a live event with with the community you get. You know, it but, exactly. You know, it's the horror, it man. It's the horror. It's still pretty cool to be able to watch them and then a few minutes later alice cooper comes out and you you know you don't even have to leave my house but I'm like you know it's not the same but it does have you know the ability to you know it's a permanent thing you know you do you know let's say you guys did a you know a 60 minute acoustic set from your living room that performance can live on and continue to generate fans for you even while you're not playing. You know, people find you in the middle of the night somewhere exactly. in the middle of nowhere and watch your show. You know, in, in Lord knows exactly. what country. It's, for sure. But it's not quite the same. You know, it's it's but it's certainly yeah. becoming uh, unfortunately the norm for what people have to do now. You know, it, it, you know, the music industry has was, changed. That was so
2: actually much. A, that was a great uh, question, man. Seriously, I. I was just sitting here thinking, man, like, that was actually a really good question, because, you know, you, you've you got all this streaming, and you're definitely going to hit more people with YouTube, but you're definitely going to hit more people. 10,000 people is not going to show up to our hometown uh, right. show. You know, First of all, we couldn't even hold 10,000 people in the biggest arena that we have in Rome, so you know 10,000 people could view the video. so absolutely man that was a great question that that makes a lot right. of sense but yeah that, that's just the way we feel about it
0: yeah I mean having said that I'll watch all your videos but get within 100 miles of where I live and, and get us out of a pandemic and I'm coming to see you because it is different you know live I think as I have oh, said I to mean. many people until you feel the kick drum in your chest you know you don't know music right um, yeah. Yeah, there you go, right. gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for for doing this today. I don't want to keep you uh, too long. And again, your album is or your EP is out on the 21st of August, uh, self-titled The Georgia Thunderbolts.
2: No man, thank you for having
0: us, man. A big thank you to TJ and Riley of the Georgia Thunderbolts. The album of uh, the EP comes out on the 21st. You can get that on iTunes. Uh, we'll also have links in the show notes if you go to IronCityRocks.com. To get to the band's pages, we're going to turn our attention now to another band uh, who plays, I think, a great blend of southern rock. Um, in comparing the two bands, obviously, you know, they I think they both fit pretty nicely in the southern rock genre, but I think Tennessee Champagne has a little more in common with, I'd say, the Almond Brothers. When you listen to the the sound, they've incorporated the organ. The songs I think lend themselves to maybe a little bit more extended instrumental jams and things like that. So. We're going to talk to Chris Kelly of the band Tennessee Champagne. They are out of the eastern part of uh, Tennessee, specifically Elizabethton, uh, Tennessee, a pretty small town, but not far from Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, kind of the uh, areas where a lot of people travel. And as Chris mentioned, not far from Bristol, Tennessee, the the, uh, home of the origins of country music. So we're going to play a little bit of Tennessee Champagne. We'll get into that interview with Chris. Yeah, John. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Now you are, and I will probably still butcher this from Elizabethton, uh, Tennessee. And looking That's at, it, man. It, I nailed it. All right. Um, looking at that on the map, I think you know it's a pretty popular area. I've noticed in the last year or so a lot of people from our area, kind of traveling down there. And I'm looking at where you're at. You're com- almost completely surrounded by natural f- or national forest. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, like, the music scene is in that area? You know, when I look at it, you know, you're not far from Pigeon Forge and some of those places, Gatlinburg, et cetera.
4: Right, yeah, the, the music scene here is kind of weird. Um, you know, there's two different scenes, really. There's one really heavy side with, uh, you know, the heavier metal stuff, and mm-hmm. then there's, uh, you know, a very country uh, scene as well. Uh, you know, the birthplace of country music is right here in Bristol, Tennessee, which is 15 minutes down the road so there's a a pretty strong country presence here as well
0: when when you guys were were putting the band together you know i mean obviously everybody you know the five of you kind of come together with your your influences and, and i think everybody has in their head you know if i could form a band i want it to sound like this like that but but based on the way the music industry is and the way rock acts get played or don't get played on the radio and the way country bands get played did that weigh into any of the discussions you had with the other guys in the band about you know what direction do the five of us collectively go or is this just the hell with this is what we sound like
4: that was really it um you know we kind of came together we all have pretty similar influences you know we all love the old southern rock stuff uh, and then we also like, you know, behavior stuff like Sabbath and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just got together, and and the music kind of just came. So we re- really didn't think too much about radio play and things like that.
0: Yeah, it it's it's always interesting because when I listen to, you know, a younger band who does this style of music, you know, some of this this music is you know when you listen to the influences you can hear bands from the early 70s and, and even in the late 60s playing this kind of music um with young guys but it's always interesting because you, you always find if you peel back with the southern rock bands you still find influences from you know some of the heavier bands too um did you guys listen you know when i listen to your music i hear and i, I said this before we started rolling the tape um and it might just be the organ you know uh, tim's playing that that Kind of makes it feel a little bit like the Almond Brothers. Were they a pretty heavy influence on you guys, or was that just a, you know, maybe a, a knee-jerk reaction to hearing, you know, Hammond sounding organ?
4: Oh, they really are. Um, we we all really like the Almond Brothers. Just the the soul and the blues the influences from them. I mean, really plays a part in what we do. Uh, you know, the B three organ is, you know, like you said, a big part of the Almond Brothers sound. And, uh, you know, even, you know, uh, we have a couple songs on the record like uh, Selfish Ways and things like that that are really uh, Allman Brothers
0: sounding. Do you, um, one of the things, when I, when I went through the album, do you sing all the songs on the album? Because sometimes I hear what sounds like might be a different voice, and, it, you know, some singers can do that, you know, just naturally have different kind of uh, the sound to their voice, or, or are multiple lead vocalists?
4: so i sing every song on the record other than selfish ways okay Um, Jonathan, one of the other guitarists sings that song it's uh, a song that he wrote himself
0: now do you guys when when you write these songs um do you are you a vocalist you know vocals first you know let's build a song around it or is it um does somebody you know maybe work on a riff and you guys just try to mix it to a focus you've already written or what's the process you guys use to kind of to put everything together
4: so this record we we kind of did lyrics first um, I'd kind of get an idea like a verse and a chorus or something like that and I'd bring it to Jonathan and we kind of worked up a riff or something to go along with it uh, but you know now we're starting to work on our second record and it's kind of happening the opposite way we're, we're kind of going music first and then riding around with that so it it can really happen both ways for us
0: is that do you have a preference when it when it comes to that do you find it easier to write music when you know you know maybe a a chord change or something like that or is it i always think of of, you know you mentioned sabbath when you listen to to ozzy sing ozzy tends to sing very similar to a guitar riff where when dio sang with with Sabbath, he would kind of do his own vocal melody, you know, in in that complemented the guitar riff. Do you find it easier to, to not know what the guitar is going to play when you're putting the the lyrics together?
4: Um, for me, it was, um, you know, because you know when I'm thinking about you know what the guitar and stuff's doing, I'm not necessarily thinking about as much what I'm saying as. Mm-hmm you know, what? how's it going to sound or what's going on. Uh, me personally, you know, I have a very country songwriting approach. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of story songs, uh, a lot of real life stuff. Uh, so uh, a big part of my writing is, you know, getting an actual point across. So uh, it's nice to have Jonathan who can kind of write and convey kind of the feeling of what I'm saying.
0: Are there particular... um vocalists or or, you know you mentioned storytelling and i think of you know like this the corn from a jar and some songs like that where you know you're you are telling a story and and i've always enjoyed that i I grew up listening to johnny cash from my parents um you know and always enjoyed you know boy named sue and some stuff like that where you know you felt like the story was taking you somewhere were there particular writers that you kind of looked up to when, when you were learning the craft of writing songs
4: yeah absolutely um, you know, I really do like Johnny Cash uh, and Leland Jennings and you know the, the the whole group of you know that 60s 70s country stuff I mean it really influences heavy on the way I write music mm.
0: <coughs> when you when you guys are, are looking at this you know as okay you know when when a band puts together the songs puts it you know I, I think of when, when I listen to your album a uh, a band like Blackberry Smoke, where I to this day can't say, okay, this belongs in the rock bin, this belongs in the country bin. Yeah. Um, do you guys think about that when it comes to, you know, obviously it's a little bit tricky right now because you can't play many shows, but when you're booking shows and, and events and things like that, is it advantageous to you guys to have a bit of a country sound? Um, to maybe get a little more appeal with audiences, as opposed to, to going up and you know being a band that would blast Sabbath songs, for example. Um, do, you, do you find you know maybe a little more mainstream acceptance right now of country music?
4: Um, yeah, I can I can see where that it kind of helps, um, but then again, country music at the moment it's not very country. Um, yeah. So, uh, but we're uh, we, we do really we fall right and kind of in the middle and. You know, really, you know, you can play two tracks off our record and think we're a twangy kind of country band, mm-hmm. and then play another song like Silver Tongue and think we're, you know, a heavier stoner rock band. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and you're you're exactly you hit the nail right on the head with country music and what it is today is not, you know, wasn't your parents' country music at, at all. It wasn't even the country right. music from twenty five years ago. Um, it's become You know, when I when I hear a song when it sounds like Tim McGraw is somewhat singing over a hip hop beat, like something is just (laughs) something's different from what I you know grew up on, like country music or not. At least it was consistent. You know, I you know you remember uh, Tammy Wynette and George Jones and stuff like that. And and you listen to the radio now, like this is not that Um, for better or worse. (laughs) I mean, it's it's certainly there are people out there that love it and, and and there are obviously acts that I think are a little more rock oriented or even you know appeal to musicians you know like I don't think anybody could watch Marty Stewart play and dispute his ability to play his instrument and to be a master at it
4: oh yeah absolutely
0: you know, he doesn't need slick uh, production yeah. and beats and things like that underneath him but um so you you guys are unfortunately you're bringing this album out I don't want to say unfortunately because it's a great album but you're bringing this out in August um here in 2020 20- 20 and i'm sure as you were putting this out together no one would have ever dreamt of the cluster that is 2020 um when you're when you're looking at an album like this and trying to get you know airplay and you know booking gigs which is i'm sure vital to a band like yourself what what do you do in this case i mean and you know do you do you try to rely on virtual things I, i see you guys still have some gigs um, maybe you know your local ordinances are a little better than ours about letting bands still get out there and play how do you get the word out about the album
4: you know really we're, we're focusing on social media right now um, pushing it the best we can that way um, and you know there's the some states that are, are loosened up some um, we've got a few shows lined up in North Carolina and things like that that are, are, are letting some bands come play so really right now we're just kind of taking what we can get and uh you know making sure the show's ready to go and uh you know it's, it's something we couldn't really plan for but uh no. it happened and we're just trying to make the best we can of it
0: you you mentioned chris about the second album um obviously this has given a lot of bands it was a given it's almost forced upon them time to you know Go out to the woodshed and work on new material. Can can you talk a little bit about, you know, the songs on on your your debut album? Roughly how old this material is, and maybe where the music music for the second album, you know, is is it similar or different?
4: Um. So the uh, the oldest songs are are roughly two years old. Okay. Um. And you know, some of we have songs as recent as. Early this year on the record, um, so it's um, and, and working on the new record, it, it's starting to move even more in the rock category. We we you know we still want to keep our country twang and our mm-hmm. country songwriting and things like that, uh, but you know we're we're just really I don't, I don't know feeling pulled into a heavier option, um, more like the silver tongue kind of sound. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know we, we're hoping. Uh, we we're in the talks of, of doing some like old timey like songs. That there's a studio here in uh, local that has like old like '50s equipment and stuff. Uh, we're, we're considering going in the studio and doing a song there. Uh, but yeah, we're, it's it's still going to be uh, it's still going to be kind of all over the spectrum. But I would expect a few more heavier tunes on that new record.
0: Yeah, and it's always interesting to hear how a band changes from album to album, and I think it's important that any band does you know I, I, a lot of bands you know they'll, they'll get shit from fans oh they don't sound like their first album or you know the second album was so good but now they sound this way but if you don't change that to me almost screams there's something disingenuous about a band um, you know because sure. as people you change you get into different things you know um, the longer you play with this group of musicians you know the chemistry is changes the abilities of musicians change it's, it's great to hear you know you look at I mean, some of the bands you mentioned, um, you know, we spoke over, or a band like the Black Crows, you know, even, you know, you look at their first album, to where some of their later work is very different. A little, you know, a little trippier, a little more acidy, um, but Congrats. it was fresh, you know, and then that's important. So it's always cool to see how bands progress. Well, Chris, I, I want to thank you so much for for taking the time, introducing us to Tennessee Champagne. Um, I think everybody, you know, will welcome the day when you guys can. You know, pack up the RV or the van and get out on the road. And, and you know, we would really love to see you coming into Western Pennsylvania. I think people will eat this kind of music up. Um, you know, cause I, I think one of the beauties of bands like yourselves is the ability to you know to kind of cross genres and appeal to, to different fans. So it's it's great to see this kind of stuff, man. Well,
4: John, thank you so much for having. Me. All
0: right, you can catch Tennessee Champagne if you go to their website or you go to our website. Uh, we'll have a link on our website, Iron City Rocks, to them. Uh, their album is out now. It's on Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Uh, like I said, a really a good blend of uh, Southern rock, um, great instrumental type music. Well, I don't want to say instrumental, but uh, the music itself lends itself, I think, to, to some instrumental jams in the songs themselves. And also, I uh, invite you to check out Georgia Thunderbolts. As I as I said, two bands that I think both fit in Southern rock, but not necessarily sound the same. So it's kind of cool to get them both on here. Hopefully, we'll get them both into our fine city of Pittsburgh, um, if and when, I don't want to say if, but when the pandemic is over and we can return to live music. Uh, You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, not TikTok. We are not on TikTok yet. Snapchat, uh, YouTube, you name it, we are on it other than TikTok. Um, Drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know bands you'd like to hear. I was fortunate enough to hear from Tennessee Champagne, That's how I found out about the band. Um, so it's a wonderful way if you're in a band and you want to give us a shout-out to your music uh, or if you're a fan of a band or um, you've got comments on the show, things you like, things you don't like, let us know. Any, any and all feedback is welcome. We love to hear it. We want to make it a better show for everyone who's listening. So I want to thank you most of all for taking the time to listen. Till next time. <laughs>